a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Liz and Matt. And we are here to wrap up the first season discussion of The Bad Batch. So I, I think I'm speaking for all of us when I say that when the Bad Batch series was announced, we weren't exactly sure what it was what it was going to be, right? We had, we mm. had some ideas. We, we weren't super enthusiastic about it. It seemed like if there were... That there were other Star Wars properties or even other Clone Wars pieces that we would have rather have seen get their own TV series in the Bad Batch. But that pilot episode or two really impressed us and did yeah. a lot of fun stuff. And then I think that the, the season kind of hit a lull in episode <laughs> three or four that, that kind of continued. Do you guys think that the show pulled up its nose for the end and ended on a satisfactory note? Or do you think that the somewhat lackluster feelings we had about the first half of the season is what carried through to the end? I um, So I think, like a lot of Clone Wars seasons, it peaked three quarters through and then just kind of did its thing. Um, but I, I it, it ended more impressively than I thought it was going to. Liz, I, I I felt like things were lackluster overall. Was my feeling at the end? I I just my main takeaway was I wanted to learn more or feel different about each individual clone, about the individual members of Clone Force ninety nine at the end of season one, or be able to delineate between. I, each one by the end and I felt like maybe Crosshair was the only one that really had any sort of maybe major character arc by the end Hmm. Um, by what we learned about him uh, maybe it was in the last episode of the season Yeah, so I I was trying to think about this in, in somewhat like Star Wars historical context in that almost every Star Wars animated series has had a worse first season than any other season Mm. their shows tend to start slow and it takes a little while for for the legs to get under them now i'm not sure if that's because there's a lot of groundwork they have to cover to sort of get the the world of the show ready to sort of blossom right like if, if they have that to till the soil enough to let the 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 show grow from it and so you have to establish things like you know i think that the crosshair reveal at the end of the season that he had already pulled out his inhibitor chip is actually really important for mm-hmm. the series mm-hmm. going forward so i wonder if they had to do a, things like that to get to a place where next season they can really start stuff but i also feel like they should figure out by now this is at least the fourth series to come out of the Dave Filoni like <laughs> camp. They should have realized by now, just skip that stuff. Like mm, I, I yeah. really think if the Mandalorian was an animated series, the first season of the Mandalorian would have been the second season of the animated Mandalorian series. Because like the way that, that 
Filoni and Co. built these shows, the first season just always feels like, like, very very superfluous to the overarching story of the, of the show. Hmm. Um. So the, you know, there's that, and I think that the show had a lot of good moments and a mm-hmm. couple of really good episodes, but I, I'm a little bit disappointed just overall in what the show wound up being for the first season. Yeah, I, I agree. And I was thinking too, you know, I, I guess, you know, I don't know how much backstory there is to pull from, you know, for the clones ultimately, I, you know, but yeah, it was, I felt like it was disappointing overall. Well, yeah, I, sorry, Matt, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say, I, when did when did they know they were getting a second season? When this was all wrapped up, right? Well, so I don't know if they knew earlier and just didn't announce it oh, okay. until later. I also think that with Disney Plus, like there, there, there has to be different expectations <laughs> yeah. for what, yeah. like you know, <laughs> when a show airs on television, the network that it's airing on has to answer to advertisers. It has mm-hmm. to answer to ratings to a certain degree. There's only X amount of time in a broadcast day. You have to make sure that you're, you know, managing that time well, utilizing that time well. However you want to say it, on Disney Plus, they could release a thousand shows at once, and there's it's nothing elbows the other one out in terms of like airtime. Yeah, I think Star Wars is such an established brand, and specifically Star Wars animation at this point is such an established brand that I think if if you know, Lucasfilm went to Disney and said, "Listen, we have three seasons of the Bad Batch. We want to do." I think they were probably greenlit for that right away, um, unless maybe things went really, really poorly. But again, like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what metrics they're going by. Do they care about how many people are watching it, or do they care about subscribers? Mm. Right. I mean, yeah. These are these are very, very different questions. Because so. I I just can't imagine them having ended with that final episode like that that's wild to me mm-hmm. if there was a series ending you mean yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, the, to, to the point where uh, i'll get real this early i had forgotten that i had finished the episode i thought that i still had like 20 minutes left um when we scheduled this <laughs> podcast then i had to be like oh no that was the final scene okay cool yeah I don't know what's going on with it. Again, you're 100% right. Pacing is terrible in the animated series, um, regardless of the series, whether Clone Wars, Rebels, Clone Wars 2D, whatever it may be. Yeah, they. I, I don't know where their storyboards go. I, I, I wonder if it's just, if it's as simple as the three of us are, are looking at this with, uh, you know, like a <laughs> hundred years of, of TV watching experience between the three of us, and it's meant for eight year olds. <laughs> like, you know, like at a, at a certain point, we forget that it's a children's television series, and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and we are just maybe applying too much of our adult thoughts to it. But I also don't, I don't think that they really expect this to be watched just by kids. I mean, I think the amount of genocide at the end of it leans into that fact that it might not be a just kids show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting, actually, because, you know, Brian, I was just going to say, you know, that's a great point. You know, Star Wars is 
you know, in many ways for kids and in particular this animated show. And that's a good point too, Matt. You know, the Empire does decimate an entire culture here, but we don't really see anyone die. Mm Mm-hmm. True. Also, yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I thought about when watching these... um, these last couple of episodes, I, I I had an experiment. I was talking to uh, to my friend August about this, and we were saying how I wonder if the Bad Batch works better as like hour long episodes every couple weeks versus weekly half hour episodes. So I've been watching them in pairs, in hopes that that would be a a more satisfying experience. And in some ways, these last six episodes are a perfect sort of. Uh, test for that because each of them sort of pair together nicely you get the two episodes on Ryloth you get the two episodes that kind of act as the bridge to the finale and then you get the two part finale Mm -hmm. and um, on one hand when you do it that way I think the show does roll a little smoother I think that it it makes it a little bit less jarring but I what's, what's hard for me is I'm torn between feeling like this is supposed to be building to something that is grander versus being like a problem of the week show. The way like Law and Order is a is a problem of the week show, right? There is a there is a crime and then they investigate it and that's the end of the week. And a good chunk of this season was Sid presents them with a job and they <clears throat> do that job. And that's it. Um and so if it's trying to be that, then I have to calibrate my expectations for that because I always want this to bring in every part of Star Wars that it can. I want there to be fun connections to the past and the future. I want all of that to show up here. But if it's just going to be a problem of the week type series, maybe maybe the problem was with me and my expectations for the series. Yeah, part of the problem, when you watch it too it falls into this thing of highs and lows to the point where it feels like, like I was, it's great that they had 16 episodes, but maybe they only had eight that really mattered. Like we could have cut out uh, Sid entirely and the series would have still worked and it would have been strong. Rex would have been the guiding force for them. You could probably rewatch it skipping those episodes and it would be a much more solid season so i'm sorry liz i'm gonna say uh, sid showed Mm -hmm. up in episode five so there were four Mm -hmm. episodes before sid the two ryloth episodes in the thing to do with sid and the last two episodes in the thing to do with sid so yeah Mm -hmm. that's nine episodes it's eight you're right matt that's this was essentially two eight episode seasons in that way yeah sorry liz go ahead (laughs) i I was gonna say you know in theory, I'm not a big fan of problem, you know, problem of the week style episodes. But if we're learning more about the individual characters, you know, if we're sort of gaining more understanding, building more about, you know, maybe Hunter or the other characters who sometimes names I forget because I feel like I didn't learn anything about them. If we're learning more about them, I'm okay with problem of the week episodes, but I feel like we didn't get that here. It was just sort of like, you know, chasing or, Mm -hmm. you know, just action, which I, I feel like didn't do much. 
didn't yeah, go I feel, towards anything. And I feel like Liz coming from someone with a, you know, Star Trek background, that's kind of the pace that Star Trek uses in its series. Because you have a world that's very established, but you don't know the specific characters. So you have very character deep episodes, and then you build to a larger storyline. Whether you're talking about, you know, Borg, or you're talking about um, the war in Deep Space Nine, or Voyager uh, versus, I guess, Borg again. Um, (laughs) But you have these, like, character-specific pinpoint episodes and then you weave them together so you understand the larger conflict. So it's not just random war. Um, but I think they do it a little more deftly here. They replace character deep with fun action. And it just makes the whole thing feel less important. But again, is that because the age True. of intent for it is a 10-year-old? Yeah. And they, just, and they just want to see cool yeah. action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, you know, fair. You know, maybe that is, you know, the point here. It's true, it's true. And there were a few times, too, I felt like in these later episodes, I think it was in Devil's Deal um, with um, Hera, like when, you know, she was about to be arrested, where they made, you know, certain points where they were like, you know, she's just a child, which I felt like would hit differently for, you know, different viewers, for children or adults um, in different ways. Yeah, um... I, I I do want to talk about each of the sort of three mini arcs that make up the end of, of the series for us, or the end of the season for us, rather. So we stopped talking about the shows with episode 10, which was, um, I'm trying to think, I, I think that one was the last one that involved any sort of bounty hunters, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Right? Um so, so so we get uh we get some, some time on Ryloth where we get an introduction to Harrison Dula from Rebels as well as Chopper, her trusty droid. And I liked the connection here. We we've seen this show so far reach backwards to the Clone Wars a few times. So it's nice to see it reach forward to um Rebels and act as sort of a bridge between those two series. Matt, I want to start with you for this. What did you think of the Sindulas in this? Did you did you feel that this was a good addition to the Hera story? I I did, because what I liked about it is we... By the time we meet um, Hera's father, their rift is really the fact that he's such an extremist, um, that he is basically embraced the role of terror. And this one, we see him really struggle between can the Empire make Ryloth better, um, this war-weary guy who just wants his planet to be at peace um, and coming slow to that realization that the war never really ended. Um, The enemy has shifted, and they might have been on the right side or the wrong side, and really seeing this not turn to extremism yet, but seeing this shift in a character that we've known as like a force to be reckoned with. Um, And the inclusion of the mother, I don't remember the mother much from rebels. If she was in it at all. Um, I don't remember either. Yeah. But I, I like the um, inclusion of her as well. Um, So I, I was really excited to see it and I was happy the way that it got all pulled together. 
Yeah. Liz, did you since you have less Rebels experience than Matt and I do, did you did you enjoy this or did you did you not care about these characters because you don't have as much of the uh sort of backstory not backstory, but sort of as much investment in them because of the because of Rebels? Well, it's actually it's interesting to hear that there is that backstory, which I was obviously completely unaware of. Um mm. I, I the family dynamic here um, between her and her parents and her uncle. Um, uh, I also liked um, when I think I mentioned just before how before I I think when they arrested Hera, they talked about how, you know, she was just a child and obviously the empire didn't care. And -hmm. I think it was the Senator who, you know, mentioned, well, she's an insurgent and it talks and I feel like that, um, you know, it comes back to how, you know, how language is important, the language we use to how we frame things. You know, she really is just a child, but, you know, the senator has his own um, agenda here, what he wants done. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of felt like these two episodes, 11 and 12, were sort of, I don't know, it, they were sort of plopped in the middle of the season here. But I, I did enjoy the interplay of, of the family, of Hera's family here. It almost seemed like these were episodes that didn't really have a place in the season. Like I, I don't remember if there was an inciting event that led them to go there, ver- or an inciting event that took them away from there. It almost felt like they they didn't know where in the season to put this stuff. Um, it, yeah. it, it feels kind of disjointed from the rest of the season, or or, or is that just me? Yeah, <clears throat> no, they were they were just there to sell weapons to the uncle. They just happened to come across it. And then, yeah. yeah, Omega becomes friends with Hera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. So... I like that she has a friend of her own age. Mm-hmm. Omega. Although, I mean, considering she's so much older than the other clones, it's I hard for her to relate yes. to them. <laughs> now we know that she's actually the oldest of the, yeah. of the clones. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Um... <laughs> But so uh, after the Ryloth episodes, we get these two sort of – and this is what bothered me about the show. At the end of the Ryloth arc, I felt like, all right, we're moving someplace. This is interesting. And then we got the this episode where Sid's parlor is taken over by a crime <laughs> boss, and they have to steal spice. And Did you feel like you were supposed to know who the hell that guy was? I yes. I was like, "What? What is? This? What is happening?" There are so many characters in Star Wars that I'm. Oh, I'm usually presuming I've just forgotten who somebody is. <laughs> that's that's that is my baseline understanding of Star Wars. I'm supposed to know that guy. Maybe I yeah. do. I'm gonna pretend I do so that when it yeah. comes around, I'm gonna, and then I do research after. Um, yeah, I mean Wikipedia that it helps fill in the gaps. Yesterday, yes. I learned that Doctor Estefan. Is a big part of like the Doctor Afra story. Oh, really? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. I know. Yep. Um, but so you know, this episode just really look. It was fine. I guess those things that live in the dark, essentially like the um, the bats of this world, mm-hmm. the deadly bats. They're fine. But, yeah. but th- that episode did nothing for me. Like I-, I think we were supposed to be worried about Sid in that episode. And the writers realized no one cares about Sid. So now we have to put Omega in danger. They don't care about Omega. But I don't think anyone actually thought Omega was in danger. Mm -hmm. It's essentially the plot of Pitch Black. 
Um, so man, we are really I, becoming a Vin Diesel podcast, aren't right? we? Right? Yeah. I mean, you're saving a blonde, a, um, a young blonde girl from monsters who live only in the dark. Yeah, you interesting. Know. I also got some Temple of Doom vibes in that chase scene yes. in those mm. carts. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I I agree with that completely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the episode was just it was it was fine. It also, I thought that the positioning of that episode was not great. You know, just because coming mm-hmm. off of the Ryloth stuff, it felt it felt uh, just yeah. small. Yeah. And then, so here is my question for you guys. Did either of you think that Rex is not the one who sent them after Gregor? Rex. So Rex, they see like the yeah. hologram of Rex. And mm-hmm. I got the impression that they're being led to a trap here. That's not really mm. right. I don't think that's actually what happened, but that's kind of how I felt it was. It was just Rex has has not presented himself to them in this way before, and he yeah. was hooded, and he was just. It felt very much like a. Um, if you remember in the Phantom Menace, there are like fake messages being sent to mm-hmm. um, to Amidala to try to get her to. To, to stop the blockade or whatever. This felt to me like that. And yeah. it would have made more, to me, it would have made more sense. I just feel like Rex, when they meet Rex, Rex is aware of their situation. They are there at SIDS. They are trying to get basically f- their feet on the ground and figure out what their lives are going to be. And it's, it mm-hmm. seems strange that Rex would be like, I know you all have stuff going on right now, but can you do me this solid real quick? It just didn't, <laughs> it didn't seem like something that Rex would do. And then it leads to them being, or at least Hunter being captured. Uh, and so I wonder if, oh. uh, to me, I, I, I know it's not actually a trap, but it seems like it would have been a really interesting use of a trap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of wish it did that, but that's a whole other story. Mm. Yeah, and it's also one of those episodes that's weird because the B plot is significantly more important than the A plot. Um, like the the ball you need to keep your eyes on is the Lama Sue storyline, but the episode's about Gregor, <laughs> right? So, who did did anybody else get the feeling like when we meet Gregor? Like, you're like, oh, he's a crazy old man. And it's like, oh, no, he's a crazy old... He's just a crazy person. Yeah. I, they, they, that's an interesting choice to make. <laughs> well, he's, like, he's, like, grizzled, but not grizzled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it was almost... <laughs> what I wrote in my notes, and I don't know if you guys are going to necessarily agree with me, I said that it was D. Bradley Baker doing a clone version of Bobcat Goldthwait. Like, his voice would go up in weird places. Like, hey, guys, what are we doing here? Like, not, not, not quite Bobcat Goldthwait, but, like, just, like, the cl- what, what a clone Bobcat Goldthwait would sound like. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know why their, their, their version of a young Gregor is, like, just as crazy and wonky, um, but higher pitched. Yeah. It's the one time the voice acting didn't quite get it done. No, <laughs> it, it, it definitely did not. <laughs> um, it's, it's you know, it's... And what's interesting is I, I, I feel like 
I almost forgot initially because you know again there's a lot of names in Star Wars guys. Let's just let's let's just be honest <laughs> about this. I forgot that we meet Gregor as an old man again until like mm-hmm. halfway through, I'm like Oh, that's Gregor, Gregor. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I almost forgot for a second who we were dealing with there because, yeah. again, in Rebels, he's he's this old man. Um, yeah, and somehow, like, gets an accent. Like, he's the only... <laughs> he's, I don't... I, yeah. He's not, a like, a bad clone. He just... I don't know. I don't right. know what happened yeah. to him. I don't yeah. know what happened to him. He stayed too long in the little pod, I guess. Yeah, yeah he's, he was overcooked or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he was hard-boiled instead of soft-boiled. Um, <laughs> But so here is my Gregor thing. Also, I I understand that they want to keep com- to keep introducing other characters that we know and all that, but I I just feel like it didn't matter that the clone they rescued was Gregor. Like mm-hmm. nothing about Gregor made that interesting. Just like there's the character in um, I guess it's in the next episode. No, is it? Is it? Oh, geez. Now I'm now I'm keeping on my episode. Oh, sorry. It was in the Ryloth ones. Captain Hauser, who is the like the the clone that was loyal to the Sandulas. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I again, I understand why you're bringing these characters in. I understand you need to still show what's happening to the clones, but I don't know if those characters being clones added anything to the story. No, I my only. Then this is probably reading far too deep into it. I feel like Hauser was used to compare against Crosshair, and especially knowing what we know about Crosshair now, mm-hmm. he as a reg, still with the inhibitor chip, um, is able to make the decision to stand up for what he believes in. That's a good point. Where, Cro- where Crosshair folds even without the chip, with the freedom of choice, decides, you know. Put on the Nazi pin. Go with it. That's an excellent point. I mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, Why? Well, because because I think that's way too reading into it. I don't think that was their intention. I think they just have a bunch of clones copy pasted in their you know <laughs> like <laughs> animation files and they just toss one in, change the hair a little bit, and go. So what yeah. I'm surprised about with all of this is <clears throat> I really thought that. Because if you watch the Clone Wars, the, the two sort of main clones that you spend time with are Rex and Cody. And I thought mm-hmm. we'd be spending more time with Cody here. Yeah. But you I never even know. see Cody. And I remember there being a rumor that Cody was going to be the big bad of this season. Hmm. Oh. Um, and obviously wasn't. Um, you know, it, it, it's just a. Uh, it, it's just. To me, it's just very strange they keep introducing these like new or if not new like i mean hauser is new but gregor is not new but like i don't think anybody was really wondering what those dudes were up to whereas i think cody who's a character we got to know like you know if if rex was obi-wan I mean, it was anakin's like clone second in command then rex was obi-wan's and so i feel mm-hmm. like uh, cody rather was obi-wan's i feel like you know there's a lot of there's there's a lot more intrigue there, you know. So, anyway, that that's my, that's my clone rant. Um, and then I guess let's see. I'm just going through my notes here. 
if I have anything else about those two episodes. Uh, oh, wh where did they drop Gregor off? Because we don't see Gregor ever again. He leaves with them at the end of War Mantle, and by return to Camino, he's gone. I don't know. Maybe they just toss him in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, we'll find him in 20 years. Wait here for 20 years. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But so I, I want to talk about two different elements of this. I want to talk about the sort of complete destruction of, of Camino and how th that's actually something that's very similar. So in the, um, in the novels and stuff that come out after, sort of in the Disney era, they talk about this thing called Operation Cinder, which happens after the Empire Falls, where it's one of the contingencies that Palpatine put in place before his death, which is to go to all of the planets that were Imperial strongholds and firebomb them, just destroy mm -hmm. them. And the idea is to basically destroy any records or any um, symbols or even any people that maybe would take the empire over in a new direction and sort of just like scorch the earth for the people that Palpatine wants to succeed him in whatever the next phase of the empire is. And this kind of reminded me as of, of Project Cinder. Like, Camino uh, is, is very much a place that the empire, or I guess the, the Republic, has been using for its own purposes and it seems like they don't want anyone else to have any of the technology or mm -hmm. even have a hint of any of the technology. And so just um, they just totally trash it. And I, th I think that's in line with sort of the imperial thinking. But I still thought it was a pretty bold move again for a children's show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I was surprised by the execution of um, Lamasu. I was definitely shocked by them just firebombing um, Camino after showing that, like, there's still a ton of baby clones there. Um, they imply that there's also, you know, any of the Kaminoans that they didn't feel the need to rescue and put to work were still there. Um, yeah, that was that was a dark move, um, which I was surprised by. Yeah, um, I, I felt like a lot of it was insinuated. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the it, Camino was destroyed. Um, you know, we didn't see Lama Su killed. Correct. I felt like that was insinuated. yeah, that was an an off screen. Um, yeah, yeah, shot. yeah. Um, I. I thought it was interesting for me because I I always sort of questioned where the crossover was from clones to uh you know TK's to stormtroopers and I didn't know if that was just sort of a a piece of missing knowledge for me from Star Wars something I hadn't watched or read um but I felt like this sort of filled some mm -hmm. of that in for me. Yeah, um, it had been it had been kept ambiguous. Yeah. Um this really seals the deal with that, which I get in my head. I guess there's, am I to assume that at this point there aren't that many clone troopers left anyway? Were they all in that room when they watched the video together? And now they're just kind of killing them off as need be. I don't know. So here is my question about the clones is this makes no sense to me. I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks now. Let's pretend that. 
the Empire is dissatisfied with the performance of the clone troopers. They have the technology and the personnel to make better clones. Wouldn't but but wouldn't a, a wouldn't a substandard clone unit still be easier to control from like an from an empirical standpoint than a than a uh an army or a navy whatever of volunteers like i mean seems, it it just seems to me like it's a it's a step backwards from the from empirical from imperial thinking i mean it's i it, it um i think rampart kind of alludes to it but it's it's not that as much as it is just cost benefit analysis it's the jeff bezos perspective he doesn't care if it's a new person driving the Amazon truck every two weeks if they're going to do it for dirt pay. Right. So if they if they can kidnap people, if they can get volunteers, if they can just buy slate, like they don't care where they get the people from. As long as it's cheap and they have somebody in white armor, that's really all that, you know, Rampart and Tarkin seem to care about. And it almost sounds like they... they believe in the empire in some way like crosshair does in a way that makes them more effective mm -hmm. yeah i i guess i'm thinking about it all wrong that that matt you're right like so many things in our culture this is clearly a commentary on capitalism <laughs> um yeah, yeah. Well, and, and what's interesting too is it's the separatist mindset mm-hmm because, like, Dooku and Grievous, it didn't care if they needed, you know, ten times the amount of droids that they had of the clones. If you can make them, you can fight the war. So, I think they, they've taken that utilitarian mindset. Um, and I think there, there, is, there is an idea, I guess it goes in the Targon Doctrine, that the Empire would just continue expanding indefinitely. And they will find new planets to pull people from, and they will have more resources to do what they need. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's less care and more just pragmatism, um, which I guess ends up working um, because the Empire does their thing for a while. I guess they get knocked over by like one dude in a vest and me of nub, like so maybe yeah. not. I, I mean, <laughs> what I was gonna say is, you know. What's interesting is that we have seen, like in the, in Clone Wars and 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 connected media, we've seen these elite soldiers, these soldiers that are daring and talented and all of that, and then we get to the soldiers of A New Hope who can't shoot anything because they're <laughs> because they're uh, because they're bad at their jobs, right? So like yeah. you, you can actually point to this exact moment as the fall of the stormtrooper as the like elite fighting force of the galaxy. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. But I guess they also feel like if if they are not going to be like militarily like it seems to me like the empire is bringing people in through fear and through financial gain and through broken promises more than they are through overthrowing governments and overtaking planets. So so the stormtroopers seem to be almost more symbolic than necessary and like you said matt there's so many of them that when they do have to stop being symbolic they can just throw quite literally millions of th of stormtroopers at the, at the problem 
and that will yeah. solve whatever problem they have. And and any that don't suck then get genetically modified into death troopers, and then even they eventually get replaced by the dark troopers who are robots again. Um, right. by the time we see Mandalorian, so I don't think they ever really hit their mark. <laughs> no. I mean, f- uh, that pun intended, I guess. Wow. Yeah. That was- <laughs> wow. That was, uh, yeah. Nice work. Before <sighs> we we get too far away from this, I do want to talk more about crosshair. I, I really liked where things were left with Crosshair at the end. You know, I, I think it's Hunter who says to him, just because we don't agree doesn't mean we have to be enemies. And I, I really think that the bad ba- that's how the Bad Batch thinks about him. They think about him as a brother, as a fallen brother, but mm-hmm. they're never going to, like, I don't think they want to see his destruction. Do you think that this is the last we're going to see of Crosshair for a while, or do you think that he is going to continue to sort of hunt them over time? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a good question. When you mentioned um, how there were ideas that Cody would be the big bad in this season, I was trying to think of who, you know, the bad guy or the bad person was this season. And, you know, essentially, I guess, in some ways it was Crosshair. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know who, you know, else it would be. Will they continue to, you know, fight with, against, or even, you know, in some ways fight for Crosshair? You know, I feel like, you know, the rest of Clone Force 99 in some sense, want him back. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I feel like, you know, the thought of him will always hang over them. And mm-hmm. I feel like he'll make an appearance in some way. Um, it, I, I, I do feel like the season was missing a, a big bad in some way. Um, I, I did like Crosshair as a character. Um, and I liked... Um, I liked his development and, you know, what we learned about him and, you know, that he had his chip removed. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that a lot. Um, and I feel like that added to him as a character, you know, throughout the season when we learned that about him here. Um, but I, I feel like we kind of need like a big bad um, maybe in the second season. That's not crosshair. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Just having like a, a passive generic, um, imperial threat is not is not enough to drive a series where you have um like eight main characters so mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i feel like the uh <laughs> i feel like the threat of this season was just like that they're they're rendered obsolete at every turn mm-hmm. like it's they're almost they're almost fighting against time that's almost their their role in the in in the show like right it, it, the, the conflict in the show is like can the bad batch find a way to still be relevant or are they just totally irrelevant to yeah. to everything that's going on around them you know their government is gone their designation is gone their purpose is gone now i think that sets them up to actually be really interesting in the future so it appears that the empire Refresh my memory. Does the Empire know that they are on Camino? Yes. Okay. So then, yeah, to- be- because Cro- Crosshair is theoretically setting a trap for them, and then the Empire realizes that Crosshair 
has, you know, saved them instead, and they decide to wipe them out with the rest of the city. Yeah, that commander says, let the clones die together. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, crosshair. So that kind of makes all five, all six, I guess if you're counting Omega, it kind of, they're all presumed dead by the Empire. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like there's a... uh, there's an interesting play here where they don't they still have to hide kind of but they don't have to hide in the same way right mm-hmm. like they they don't have to be so stealth with all their actions down because no one is looking for them yeah and so that that can lead them into all different areas of um you know it, all different stories across across the Star Wars universe because they're not being hunted necessarily and i wonder if they are going to be, if you know, I, I just thought of this now, so forgive me if this is a little bit of a, of a raw thought, but maybe they are going to be what they were to Rex. Maybe this is the crew that tries to save all the clones. Mm. Maybe they. I mean, that, like that would be a purpose. Force. That would be an arc. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know what Crosshair is going to do. I guess he just sits on that platform until. <laughs> Like I, until one of those like manta rays comes and saves them, I don't. What, what, I don't know what he does, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think this is not the last we've seen of Crosshair. No, but no, I no. wouldn't be surprised if Crosshair is not a major player going forward, mm-hmm. at least for a while. Yeah. I mean, he he's definitely going to be like a like a reveal. He's either going to save them or capture them or pop up at some point in the next season i think yes yes but uh, he he's not going to be a driving force yeah um any other sort of i i have one last topic i want to get to but any other ideas of maybe where the show can go in a future season I guess I'm curious to see how Omega is used. Um... That, that's my last topic I want to talk about. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Okay, okay. yeah, because that, that, that's the, that, I feel that these two episodes were the entire reason of having her tag along. Um, but now I don't know what her payoff is moving forward. So, yeah. unless she comes back for the Bounty Hunter comic finale right yeah, liz you you missed this we were talking about the war of the bounty hunters last time i, I had this like galaxy brained dumb idea at the end of the show which is that so the, the war of the bounty hunters comic starts with a comic called war of the bounty hunters alpha and it's a boba fett comic and we know that his original clone name is alpha mm. and so if it ends with war of the bounty hunters omega is it going to end with a story based around that his, basically his sister oh look at that um, I don't think it's real. I, I think this is me trying to connect things that are not going to be connected. Um, I mean, I, you never know. I mean, Star Wars, sometimes it's all connected. Yeah. It's probably too connected most of the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's um, true. But the, uh, you know, but, but overall, I think that the Omega story is the only one that I have no idea where it's going. Like, I would think that the Bad Batch will... Like the, at least most of Clone Force ninety nine will meet their maker before the events of Rebels, because it seems like just if we're trying to build a cohesive timeline here, if if Rex is looking for help and he goes to Gregor, wouldn't he have gone to the Bad Batch first? 
Mm. Yeah. Like it just seems like it just seems like they're probably not going to be around in 20 years, right? But I have no, but o- Omega could die in the first episode and it wouldn't be like narratively shocking. It would be shocking because it's killing a kid on a kids show. But like in terms of the Star Wars universe, it wouldn't surprise me to find out that Omega never made it to like Boba's level of adulthood. But mm-hmm. it would also not surprise me if we find out that, as we, as we theorized in the past, like Omega is um, Captain Phasma or some shit like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what what's the scientist's name that survived? Nala Say. Okay. Is she I the mean, one the clip- was, she's the one that was trying to save Omega, right? Yes. Earlier on? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's why I was trying to think. Yeah, she was she was Nala Say's um, assistant. So okay. I I mean that's going to be some sort of connecting tissue for the next one um, because we we see the pain in Omega going back to that laboratory and seeing where they were all born and realizing that it's all ending that everything is collapsed. Um, so she she clearly is carrying this pain. Um, so I could see her wanting to save Nalase and that, you know, probably not going well. Cause by the time Mandalorian hits, you know, Nalase is not in charge of the clone stuff anymore. So. Yeah. Right. Right. But I mean, Mandalorian yeah. hits 30, not, is it full? It's not quite 30 years after this. It's probably 27 years after this mm-hmm. or so. Yeah. Um, right. Cause I mean, but yeah, well, come, I don't know. I don't know what the life cycle of a uh, Kaminoan is. That's true. I mean, Wookie, Wookiees live for a thousand years, so <laughs> right, it could be anything. As do whatever the name of Yoda's species is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm. Yaddles. R I P Yaddle. Any? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure where it's going. Um, but again, like that was the one moment I was like, okay, this is. This is why she's here. Right. And now I don't know why she's here going forward. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I concur. Mm-hmm. Any other sort of lingering thoughts before we uh, before we, we close shop here? We escaped 16 episodes without having a Boba Fett appearance. So, <laughs> Well, maybe they feel like we're getting an entire Boba Fett series in a few weeks. <laughs> so a few months yeah. later. So... Uh... <laughs> yeah we didn't need whiny teenage boba fett again yeah exactly um all right thank you for listening folks we will return in a few weeks with something uh we have a few ideas we'll see what happens <laughs> um but then after that after that things pick up then we got star wars visions we got the lego halloween special um etc etc uh, visions that that trailer was phenomenal Every every second of that trailer, I was thinking, Matt's gonna love this. Matt's gonna love this. Matt's gonna love this. Matt's gonna love this. Every even like the Astro Boy one looks yep. great. Yeah, the weird Gundam fighting outside on a uh, on a Star Destroyer. That's fine. Let's just let's let it all ride. I'm very happy. <laughs> I, I'm happy that you're happy. It, it, it looks great. <laughs> it looks really fun. Yeah, but like as much as I enjoyed it. Every bit of my enjoyment was filtered through how much more you're going to enjoy it. So I, I was just <laughs> I was just very happy for you. Yeah. 
I was like, this is an homage to this. Oh, I recognize this. This is amazing. Yeah, I, like, it was I recognize nothing. I can't wait to hear what Matt has to say about <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, well, if you go online, you can watch the trailer in Japanese as well with subtitles. Yes, so, yes you mm-hmm. can. Yeah. And, and I believe the series, you can choose to watch it dubbed or with subtitles. Oh, that is a fantastic move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be fun. I, I, I hope that this leads to just more weird Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because we need more yeah. weird Star Wars stuff. Also, we haven't we, we mentioned there's going to be a, a Lego Halloween special. I kind of love that the only stuff that's happening in the post Rise of Skywalker <laughs> stuff is Lego stuff, and I'm sort of fine <laughs> if that becomes like the the delivery system for Poe and Ray stories. Like I'm yeah, I'm, that's I'm fine that's with great. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean Poe is so much more enjoyable in the Lego series. Yes. The, yes. the whole cast is that the that that Christmas movie is probably my favorite thing of the new series. So wow! <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for listening, and remember, until next time, the Force will be with you always.